Welcome back to the Bison Boys Podcast. I am your host, Jack Clifford, along with my amazing co-hosts, Spencer, Austin, and Jack. How are we feeling, boys? Feeling great. It's another Monday. Another Monday. <laughs> As the temperature is getting a little chilly, out, it's officially October season, a.k.a. spooky season. Halloween's coming up soon, so autumn, autumn is coming around. And I like the cold, honestly. I'd, I'd prefer cold over uh, summertime, to be honest. I am not I'm a fan not. of the cold. You're weird. I like the cold. I don't know why, but I, I, I don't know. It's just it's just my it's my thing. Uh, but like I said, October season. Excited. October football is probably one of the best we got, including NFL. We'll we'll get to that later on in this episode. Not but only October football, but we also have the baseball October playoffs baseball. coming. Oh yes, yes, sir. We'll we'll talk. We'll mention that. How about later the Braves? On. How about them Braves? Well, moving on into our athletics of Nichols College, Austin will lead us off into that. So starting off with Tuesday, September 27th, the women's soccer team beat Russell Sage by a score of 3-1 to one in Dudley. <clears throat> uh, the women's tennis team on September 28th beat Salve Regina by a score of 8-1, to one, while the women's volleyball team won three sets to nothing over Curry. On the 29th, The golf team placed first in the CCC qualifier at Green Valley Country Club in Portsmouth, Rhode Island. On September 30th, the men's soccer team tied 2-2 to Wentworth. And on October 1st, Saturday, the men's soccer team, not soccer team, rather, cross-country team placed seventh versus at the Keene State Invitational in Keene, New Hampshire, while the women's volleyball team won three three games to nothing over Castleton. And on... That was also the homecoming on Saturday, homecoming October 1st for Nichols. Um, and then today... For Nichols Athletics at 11 a.m., the golf team is taking on USM USM for the Fall Classic at Riverside Golf Course in Portland, Maine. Women's soccer takes on Riviere in Nashua, New Hampshire at 7 p.m., and the eSports team takes on Texas A&M International University for, oh, rather, that was just recently postponed. So, yeah. For moving on to college football, we have in our week four of, no, week five rather of play, BYU beat Utah State by a score of 38 to 26. UCLA beat Washington 40 to 32. Ole Miss beat Kentucky 22 to 19. Upset alert. Uh oh. Real tree helmets. It's good luck. Someone's for fire. Those are tough. So Kentucky gets knocked out of its little Cinderella story pretty early in the season. <clears throat> yeah, those are fire. They're still a good team, though. Kentucky. Very good team. Back. But I don't think they're going to – I think they're ranked probably 12 now going into next week. There's seven last – seven starting the week, yeah, but I feel like at the end of this bumped. week probably bumped down a little bit. I think they're a really good program. Though. Have they come out with the – Yeah, they come out every Monday. Oh, okay. Will Levis is a legit – He's a legit – You see his so. finger? I did. Oh, my God. It was at a 90-degree angle. <clears throat> what about, about two of his fingers? Not throwing hand. 
We'll, we'll get Stop to two it. in a second. <laughs> Kentucky's 13 now, we'll by go, the way. We'll get to 13. Around there. Ole Miss is nine, which is not bad considering Jackson Dart has been playing that well. Word. Moving on with the college football scores from the past week. Kansas State beat Texas Tech by a score of 37-28. to 28. Michigan beat Iowa 27-14. TCU a, beat Oklahoma 55-24. Michigan game. Michigan was down for majority of that first half. They almost got shut out in the first half. I, I mean, they pulled the game out, but what did they drop to in the poll? Because there's no way they're still at four after that game. They're right? still four. Really? I mean, they almost dropped a game to Iowa. I wasn't ranked. I mean, maybe it's uh, CF, uh, CFB syndrome. Like, kind of what happened uh, Alabama last year. Didn't even drop it. They dropped one spot in the rankings after losing to Texas A&M, an unranked team. So maybe think, they just want to see Michigan back in the playoff. I think Michigan's on thin ice. I don't know how long they'll last, especially if they keep oh, no, winning no. narrow games or even if they lose a close game to any Big Ten team. I think if they lose Ohio State, they're probably going to drop at least two spots. For sure. Considering that Ohio State's three and they're four, so they're to play right now, which I know they play at the end of the year, you know, rivalry week and whatever. But if they were to play right now, I think Michigan would probably be maybe seven. I mean, Ohio State doesn't doesn't let Iowa lead at all in that game, first of all. So I don't think them being right next to each other in the rankings really is justified at all. I don't I think Iowa gets shut out for a half against Ohio State right now, but I mean, they see something in Michigan. Obviously, the polls the last couple of seasons haven't been great after COVID and all that. I mean, even in basketball, too, you see the stuff. The polls are all over the place. So we'll see how it is come the end of the season. Moving on, we have Utah beating Oregon State 42-16. to Oklahoma State beating Baylor 36-25. to Wake Forest beating Florida State 31-21. I don't know. I saw some highlights of that. Shout, I watched shout out my dude, Andy. <laughs> that was a pretty good game. Uh talk about georgia real quick oh. what happened there i mean they're still number one they won but they're not number one anymore what are they yeah, pretty close number two alabama two. has jumped them so the georgia game as spencer just mentioned 26 to 22 over missouri they gave up more points in that game than they gave up the i believe the entire first eight games of last season i don't think they i think they gave up less than seven points the first eight games last year and they just gave up 22 to an unranked team which Missouri, not a bad football team, but they're not where they were three, four years ago. So, Your college football top ten rankings for this upcoming week is Alabama at one, Georgia at two, Ohio State three, Michigan four, Clemson five. Is U- Clemson back? USC six. <laughs> Oklahoma State seven, Tennessee eight. Ole Miss 9, and Penn State 10 for your top 10. Speaking of USC jumping up, I mean, they're still at 6 again, but I think Caleb Williams made his first case for the Heisman this season. I don't know. I don't, he's not my favorite, but he made his first case that he should be in that conversation. Yep. 27 for 37, 348 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, 90.2 QB rating with one interception. Spreading the ball all around. Jordan Addison with 105 receiving yards, not a touchdown, but 27 for 37 is not bad at all. Not bad at all. It's pretty I mean, they played a they played a decent ASU team, not the best, but a decent team, and he showed that he can perform. I don't know if he can do it in a prime time spot against a big team, but Caleb Williams showing that he still got it without Lane Kiffin. I want to shout out the Pac-12 though. Five uh, ranked teams. I think they're. Uh, 
five ranked teams and three in the top 12. I think they're. And they're losing. Uh, they're losing UCLA and USC, correct? Yeah, next year I believe, the year after, but um, I think UCLA is mightily overrated. I mean, they beat Washington pretty well. Yeah. But um, besides that, I don't. I don't really think UCLA is going to compete in the Big Ten whatsoever. I think USC is a chance because now they're starting to build a dynamic now with um, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams. They're they're still going to start building that uh, that dynasty back where USC was ten back years in ago. The Reggie Bush days. <laughs> and maybe they're doing it legally NCAA, this time. <laughs> NCAA five. Oh man, that UCLA team. I mean, yeah, they're five and zero. Oh. They beat Washington, but I mean, it's Washington. They've never. I don't know. I don't believe they've. I mean, they got a little bit of hype a couple of years ago, but they've never broken. They've never really broken out. They've been a solid like fifteen to twenty team in the last four years, and. I feel like UCLA just played a good game. I don't think they can replicate that against other teams around the area. I don't think they could beat, say, like a 12 or 13 team right now. But we'll see. 5-0, and it's going well. Another team I wanted to touch on, they're not ranked, but Kansas has been looking really good. I think, me personally, I think they should be at least in the top Kansas was ranked. They were? Did they finally Kansas make it? Kansas is 19. They weren't. I was going to say, they should be around that 20 area. They've been playing amazing. Um... Tight game against Iowa State, but they pulled it out, fourteen to eleven. And Jalen Daniels, man, QB wearing the Axiom, dual threat, kind of looking like a little bit like Lamar Jackson the first few games. I hate, I hate the Axiom. <laughs> Looks stupid. Tennessee too, I think, is a legit team as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hendon Hooker is a really good quarterback and is jumping his way into the Heisman candidate. But they got a pretty rough schedule coming up the next five weeks. They got LSU. Yeah, LSU, which is arguably the best college football atmosphere there is. Yeah. And they're at home versus Bama, UTM, which is a FCS school. And they got Kentucky at home, and then they go to Georgia. So we'll check back in November 7th and see where Tennessee is at after that Georgia game. But the next five weeks, I think Tennessee, if they can win four out of the five, they can upset either Georgia or Bama. I think they'll, they might, and they can keep that going the rest of the year. They might get that last spot. So what do we think about Oregon? I mean, I was literally about to say that. I'm just gonna say they they had a pretty Jack's good game team. at Stanford though. Go Ducks. Yeah, they put up 45 against Stanford, but I mean, Bo Nix. Oh my God. Not impressive against an unranked team. 116 for 29, 161 yards, two touchdowns, 75.9 rating. But his rushing. But his rushing, what? 141 yards six on carries. six carries, two touchdowns. What's the average on that? I mean. Uh, we got uh, 23 and a half yards per carry, but God. but we all know how it goes. It's Bo Nix against an unranked team. It always it, it's just always like that. He plays amazing, even when he was at Auburn. He played great against unranked teams. As soon as they get into a big game, kind of stumbles and folds a little bit. Yeah, it's been the story this year as well. But I mean, yeah, they scored 45. Good win. Bo Nix had as many rushing yards as passing yards. I'm excited. Maybe he'll. I think he'll be a solid fourth or fifth round QB, NFL backup. That's, that's where I see him going. I just want to see Ty Thompson play, as do many Oregon Duck football fans do. <laughs> five star freshman came in last year and he had five. Att- he had five attempts for uh, one for five, for three yards. But again, it needs a little bit more experience. I know what you're saying. I just want to see him play. I wasn't really a fan of Bo Nix to begin with. I mean. He was already at Auburn, played decent in, a, in the obviously the best conference in the nation. But I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure how long this 
you know, we to put 40, 40 points the last three games, but I'm not sure how well that's going to match up against UCLA in a couple weeks, who has one of the best run defenses, if not the, in the Pac-12. We play Arizona this week, by week, then we got UCLA, so I don't know. It'll be a big I mean, prove-it game, especially if UCLA keeps trending upward like they are. I mean, going back to Ty Thompson, though, he hasn't looked too impressive this year. Seven for 14 with two picks, no touchdowns. I mean, he's gotten thrown into some really bad situations, but you think you'd like to see a little bit more? I mean, 14 passes is a decent sample size. That's a, that's three quarters for most quarterbacks in college football, so that's a decent sample size, and the fact that he's thrown two picks in that time. Against good teams, his passer rating, this or his QB rating so far is a 12.3 this season, though. Which, you know, I mean, 14 pass attempts isn't a big sample not size. Not a big so. sample size at all, but you'd think you'd like to see a little bit more than 71 yards and two interceptions out of 14 attempts. Um, didn't um, Bryce Young get hurt? He did, yeah. So they had to put in Jalen Milrow. He's a beast, man. I mean, yeah. if I, I don't know the longevity of the type of guy like him. And it, if you guys remember Blake Sims from Alabama, you know, a little bit ago before the Hurts era, yeah. um, you know, he was down there. He played, I mean, even during the Hurts era, too, Jalen yeah. Hurts starts playing bad in the playoff, and then some young lefty named Tua comes in and wins them a national championship. Like, yeah. It just seems to be a reoccurrence. They have their starter, their starter wins a Heisman, and then you go and you get a backup that looks just as good. I mean, it's just Alabama football for you. Yeah. So continuing with college football, I have the updated USA Today uh, Heisman Watch rankings as of this morning. So right now at five, they have Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker. There you go. He's upcoming. He's Jack's guy. At four, they have USC quarterback Caleb Williams. And I think he's going to climb again with Bryce Young being hurt. Probably two or three. At three, they have Georgia quarterback Stetson Bennett. No way he stays up there. I don't know how you can win. I mean, you just look at the weapons he has around him, and they still have McIntosh from their team last year. They have Bowers, who's literally Gronk in college. True freshman was you know, the second-best receiver on the team sets Pickens last year, and they won the Natty. You know, he has guys around him that make plays, but I don't think he's in a longevity-wise. I don't know how well he'll be able to play. Sounds like, I mean, his skill set looks like another career backup in the NFL for me. I mean, yeah, he could win a Heisman just because of how the people around him perform, but he has an amazing O-line, and like you said, the weapons around him have been just crazy. I mean, even his rushing game has been really good, so... Yeah, he can just kind of, I mean, seven th- 7.3 yards per attempt, not bad, but that seems like a lot of short routes and checkdowns to me and players just making plays. At two, they have Alabama quarterback Bryce Young. I think he's out of it. If he if he misses a week, if he misses a week or two, I think he's out of it. And then at number one is Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud. He's just been playing really well. He's like, it's it's like not even overall pick. I don't care what football team has the number one overall pick this year. It's it's uh, right now it's CJ Stroud. I mean, he's just been playing unbelievable. Five games, thirteen hundred passing yards, Great. eighteen to two, intercept touchdown interception ratio. I mean, it's not often either. You see someone live up all preseason. Everyone's talking. Oh, CJ Stroud's the Heisman favorite. CJ Stroud's second in the Heisman or second or third in the Heisman last year, and now he's Heisman favorite. Lately, we haven't seen guys live up to that. Yeah, Bryce Young came in as number two in the Heisman. He hasn't played like a Heisman this year. I don't even think – I really don't think he played like a Heisman last year either. A couple of the games I watched, especially the Texas A&M game, 
I didn't see a Heisman in him. The playoff, I didn't see a Heisman in him, but they still gave it to him. I mean, he had a very good season, but there were better seasons out there. But so far, C.J. Stroud has looked insane. Like, it, there's, it's giving off kind of not as good, but 2019 Joe Burrow, it's, it's giving off those kind of vibes because he's just making everyone around him better. He's turning all of his guys into first-round picks in the NFL because he's such a good quarterback, which, yes, they have a lot of talent, but at the same time, he makes them look like first-rounders when people really didn't know who they were a couple of years ago. So, I mean, even without Smith and Jigba, who's a first-round pick, he's been hurt. He only has four catches this year, so it's really not... He hasn't really even been there. He's had Marvin Harrison Jr., who's been playing pretty well, and his best receiver, and probably the best in the nation right now is Emeka, Emeka Egbuka, if I say that, pronounce, yep. pronounce that right? Yeah. Uh, he has 30 for 5-12 and five touchdowns, so we'll and see, we'll see how they say, keep... like you're, look, you're looking at him. He's the best receiver in college football this year. He's a sophomore, and no one knew who he was last year. Yes. And I think you can attribute a lot of that to, yes, it's a lot of it to him, but a lot of it to C.J. Stroud, too, giving him the opportunities, putting the ball in the right place, too. Yeah, we'll see how, if they can just roll over this Big Ten schedule like they always do and beat Michigan the last week. I mean, the only only team that I really see them giving up giving them a fight right now is Penn State. I mean, they have Michigan State this week and then a bye, then Iowa. I mean, Michigan State's been looking pretty bad. Iowa's not really that good either. And then, obviously, they got to play Northwestern, Indiana, Maryland, three teams that are just probably going to get rolled over by them. And we'll be seeing that last week, week 13 against Michigan. We'll see what happens that game. But I think uh, Ohio State... I think they can win it all this year, but I don't want to buy into the hype too much. Not too much, but I think I think they're my favorite right now with, I mean, a couple of bad games from Alabama and Georgia. I mean, Ohio State really hasn't had a bad game. They've had some mediocre games, but they haven't had a bad game, whereas Alabama against Texas had a bad game, and Georgia just had a bad game. So, yeah, they both came out with wins, but they did not play up to their pedigree. So... I'm liking Ohio State right now. They seem to be the most consistent team in college football. And, I mean, that's what people looked at Georgia as last year. They weren't blowing anyone away with what was happening except that defense was so consistent. I mean, yes, they had one of the best college football defenses ever, but it was the consistency that made it that way. Cool, you can shut out a couple opponents, but when you do that for an entire season, it's going to get noticed. So if Ohio State keeps performing like this on an offensive level this season, putting out 45 points a game, it's going to get noticed. So moving on to the National Football League scores from the weekend. First to start off, I wanted to touch upon two big uh, injury reports coming from Tom Pelarusso from the NFL. First off, as of 22 minutes ago, Broncos running back Javante Williams has suffered a torn ACL and will be placed on injured reserve, effectively ending his season. As well as Falcons running back slash wide receiver slash basically everything, almost their entire offense, Cordell Patterson has suffered a knee injury over the weekend and will be placed on injured reserve. So starting off with the NFL scores from week four, and I wanted to get into a talk with you guys about this first game. So the score of the first game was Bengals 27, Dolphins 15. And the reason that I wanted to get into this game a lot is because of the situation going on with Dolphins quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. Jack Clifford and I both have prior past experiences with concussions and severe concussions and 
first we can talk about the game and what you guys thought about the game, but then I wanted to dive into that a little bit. Well, Andy, we, we get it out of the way that this was handled completely wrong, and everyone that watched, first of all, everyone that watched the game last week knew he shouldn't have been on the field. And you come around, roll off of a short week of four day, four days between games, and they put him back out there. I mean, I understand having him finish that game. He's a tough player. He doesn't want to come out. He wants to help his team win. I get that. But putting him back out there on a Thursday night game against a team that hasn't been doing too hot, like you didn't, they didn't. Obviously, they didn't need to to beat the Bengals. If it was a team, if it was against another team like the Bills, I'd understand them trying to push for it. But still, there's no excuse to put him in that game and. I mean, player safety. It's all the NFL talks about. They do all these rules for player safety. Oh, you can't do this because of player safety. Blah, 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 blah. And they let someone who couldn't even walk after taking a hit into a game four days later. And, yes, I understand that, oh, it's up to the Dolphins, it's up to the team doctors, it's up to the outside doctors from the NFLPA, but the NFL has to step in at some point. I know everyone in the NFL's office, everyone in the NFLPA's office saw the video of him stumbling against the Bills. And they just ignored it. And they're like, okay, he'll be okay. We'll just let him start. Someone has to step in. I know they're doing all this investigation stuff now, blah, 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 blah. Somebody has to step in and tell him, no, you cannot play this guy until we know he's okay. The person that handled that situation as well got fired, to make that clear. I don't remember exactly what his position was. was. uh, It was a contracted doctor for the NFLPA. So basically... Neuroscientist. uh, He was an independent doctor. He's been fired from that position in the NFLPA, so... And I think even despite all the injury stuff, I think just in general, Teddy Bridgewater still had a pretty good game. And if he started, it would he would have had a great game. It wouldn't change nothing. First really? of all, he had a better passer rating than Tua. He had yeah. more yards per attempt per Tua, a better QB rating than Tua. It's, and it, it might have could have been a closer game or even a W. I think I don't want to speculate, but I don't. Obviously, Tua shouldn't start that game. I think Teddy Bridgewater and Tua are on a very similar level in terms of skill, yeah. going to more of a football side. Everyone's talking about how Tua looks like a vet. Like, oh, last week he's one of the MVP favorites. He has Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill. It's really hard to not succeed when yeah, you have guys with that. When you have two and guys, Mike like Jacecki at tight end. Like he has one of the good. best, one of the best passing offenses in the league on paper. You get the two, arguably the two fastest receivers in the game, and then one of the most sure-handed tight ends in the game with a decent running attack with uh, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert. Like. Any quarter, any competent quarterback is going to see that. I don't want to sound like I'm hating on Tua. He played really well. He beat. I mean, yes, he shouldn't have played in the half of that game, but he beat the Bills. I get it. Mm-hmm. But you, you want more. You just want more. Yeah, he had a good comeback a couple weeks ago. You want more at that point. When Teddy Bridgewater can step in after not playing a full season in the last five years, he's been a backup the last five years, coming for injuries the last five years, and throw for 200 yards in three quarters, a touchdown, yeah, he threw an interception, but an 84.1 rating with the same guys. I mean, Tyreek Hill, 10 yard, ten catches, 160 yards, he he produced the same. Jalen Waddle, not as much, but they are focusing him as a defense. So, I mean, they put Eli Apple on Tyreek Hill. What do you expect? <laughs> but, yeah, I think I don't think Tua being down hurts this team's chances at all. No. I think they're the same exact football no. team with Teddy Bridgewater behind, behind the center. 100%. Just the Dolphins over the past couple of years have had a lot of um, a lot of questionable decisions and a lot of they've been under the microscope a lot 
for the past couple of years with all the stuff coming out about Brian Flores and the offseason and then the Tom Brady tampering and now everything with uh, Tua happening it's, it's start starting to question what's going on at the head of the Dolphins organization and what their uh, goal and mindset is approaching everything. And this is probably one of their best teams in a long time. Because we've, we've seen some failures. To, to start off, aside from this whole conversation, shout out to Brian McDaniels. He's running a hell of an offense over there. He's been a great first-year head coach so far, in my opinion. He's had, He has the right guys behind him. He's been making the right calls when it comes to everything except putting Tua back in the game, which I don't think that was his call. I mean, as a head coach... It was listen, not his call. Exactly. As a head coach, you listen to what the trainer says. The trainer says he's okay to go back out there. You let him go back out there. That's your number. That's your number one guy. But so far as the play calling, they've looked like a whole different, a completely different team. And I know it's not him calling all the plays, but he's an offensive coach, so that's his offensive coordinator that he has in there. It's his. It, he still runs the show. And I think just the way he's been running that team, there's obviously a culture change. The team seems a little bit more upbeat. They're not as down as they usually are. And I've been really impressed with. I mean. We could be seeing a new Sean McVay type kind of thing. I mean, he comes in, he's a young guy, he brings more energy, and it, it, it's kind of nice to see a lot of guys like that coming in the NFL. So moving on with the Week 4 slate, we had our first London game of the season on Sunday, and that was between the Minnesota Vikings and the New Orleans Saints, where the Minnesota Vikings barely pulled away off of a double-doink ga- uh, sure. game-tying field goal attempt. As the Vikings pulled away 28-25. to That was a good game. I'm trying to find his name, but I don't know if anyone saw that play on that one punt where um, the rookie on the Vikings, I'm forgetting his name right now, but terrible leg injury. He basically just snapped his leg. He basically snapped his entire lower leg. I just want to say shout-out to him. Louis Seen. Louis Seen, yeah. Former Georgia safety. Yeah, and- I, I just hope everything with him goes all right. It was a bad injury. I hope he can come back, but... Seeing that was, I mean, that's the only thing I remember from that game. So, that and the double doink. I mean, I just want to say prayers up to him. Hopefully his recovery is quick. Not only is Lewis seen a former Georgia safety, but he's also a Massachusetts Massachusetts native out of Everett, Mass. I was just about to mention that, too. Moving on with the uh, week four slate, we had the Seahawks beating the Lions by a score of forty-eight to forty-five, and Geno Smith's having a career resurgence. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's done good against the Broncos and the Lions so far this season. The Broncos' defense, just as week one, they weren't they weren't ready to go. Lions' defense, it's honestly a bit more impressive with Jeff Okuda having a very good season at corner and Aiden Hutchinson on the outside there. It isn't I, I'm surprised to see that Geno Smith had such a good game. The Lions' defense has looked a lot better this year, and Geno Smith ripped them apart. You know, 132.6 passer rating and a 91.3 QB rating, which are A-plus in the NFL. So, yeah, I've been watching Hard Knocks, and they seem like they've been everybody's buying in. And, um, what's, what's I mean, you got to think, though, too. Dan Campbell. I mean, Dan Campbell, he's a beast. you got to think, though, too. Geno Smith... He's learned a lot. I mean, he's not the guy that we saw playing in New York, playing terrible. He's not the guy we saw even a couple years ago. He's been a lot of different cultures. He's been a backup on winning teams, and I think that's changed his perspective a lot. And I think all the disrespect we gave him at the beginning of the year, I want to be the first one to say I take it back so far. He's been playing really well, and even if he doesn't keep it up for the rest of the year, getting thrown into that situation with 
not too great of an O-line at all, not really too great of a team in general. He's two good receivers, but not too great in O-line, all that stuff. I mean, shout-out to him. He's kind of proving everyone wrong, everyone wrong, and I love to see it. I hope he keeps it up. And Geno Smith has outperformed Russell Wilson so far this season. <laughs> man, man, man. TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> T.J. Hawkinson, oh yeah, the Lions tight end receiving, uh, single single game receiving yard record for a tight end. T.J. Hawkinson 40. with 179 yards on eight catches and two touchdowns with Amon Ross St. Brown out, which I wish I would have noticed before this weekend started because I had him in my fantasy lineup. Still won, but... I wish I would have noticed too, but I was on the other side of the uh, win-loss thing as I <laughs> lost my game. Or, but, sorry, I have Cooper Cup tonight, so. We'll see how that goes. But uh, Jamal, uh, Jamal Williams had a really good game. TJ Hawkinson had a really good game. Josh Reynolds stepped up. And I understand it's against Seattle. I understand they lost. But Detroit putting up 45 points without their number one receiver and number one back is very promising. I, I like to see I mean, everyone likes to see a team that did bad the year before look really good the next year, but. They're one in three, and looking at these games, they could easily be three and one. Looking at the games that they played in, so it's nice to see that. Really, we don't have a, a stinker team this year. We don't have a team that we're looking at. Are they going to go zero and six or zero and seventeen? Even the Texans. We're not looking at that this year. Every team has a chance to. I mean, looking at it right now, I feel like every team in the league has a chance to go around five hundred if they play their cards right. Right. It's not going to happen. There's going to be a team that wins their fourth game next week, and then maybe wins two more games the next the rest of the season but i like i just i like what i'm seeing from the nfl this year you can't really predict every game this year whereas last year it kind of felt like yeah it was a little all over the place but you knew what teams were going to do good and what teams were going to do bad whereas we're looking at at that afc south right now we have no clue who's going to come out of that we have no clue what they could do when they get into the playoffs and surprise it it's really exciting honestly what about um tom kenny and the receptions are 54 Tom Kennedy, former Brian Bulldog legend. <laughs> Coach's favorite. Um, we also had two season debuts yesterday in this next upcoming game as the New York Jets pulled away 24-20 to over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And those two season debuts were Jets quarterback Zach Wilson and Steelers rookie quarterback Kenny Pickett. I just want to say, Kenny Pickett threw 13 passes, and three of those were interceptions. He completed every single one of his passes, if you count the interceptions and completions. So good for him, but three oh picks God. in 13 plays. That's a good way to look at it. I mean, he went 10 for 13 with three picks. So someone caught every ball he threw. Yeah. But he also rushed for two touchdowns, too. I mean. And George Pickens. You just can't, you can't throw three picks. And you're in a, I mean, I understand it's his debut. I understand the Jets secondary is decent, but. You can't throw three picks in that few pass attempts. I don't care how. I don't care if you're trying to throw up a hail mary every play. It, you just can't do that. Look at, look at, sorry to interrupt you, Austin. Looking at the stat sheet of Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. Deontay Johnson had two receptions for 11 yards. Chase Claypool had zero zero. Chase Claypool is running routes. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Well, yeah, one of those uh, passes to Chase Claypool was intercepted. One of uh, Kenny Pickett's interceptions, it was ripped out of Claypool's hands into the hands of, I forget who it was, but uh, one of the New York Jets defenders. 
two two veterans of the Steelers. I think I do think it's nice to see the the Kenny Pickett George Pickens connection though. I, I like to see it two young guys getting together, but Pat Fryermuth also did a little bit of a safety blanket, seven catches for eighty five yards. Shout out fantasy team. But Yes. You gotta give you gotta give Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I understand we don't like I don't like Chase Claypool. I don't think he deserves what they're saying, but he's a decent enough receiver. Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson combined had six targets. That can't happen. I don't care if they're getting double teamed. Get them open. They're playmakers. They're the playmakers on the team. George Pickens had eight targets. That's about normal for him, but you can spread the ball around more. So uh, it works. I mean, Najee Harris had a decent game, 4.1 yards per carry, 74 yards. Steelers are falling apart. Weird. I mean, we kind of expected it, but... I mean, they have weapons. They drafted George Pickens. They got him. It was a steal. He should be on the Patriots right now if you really think about it. But Don't remind me. Taekwondo Thornton. But, I mean, <laughs> come on. It's just disappointing. You take – first of all, I don't know why they draft a quarterback. I think you go sign one. With this draft class, very weak in, very weak in the quarterback category, and they put all their chips in the Kenny, Kenny Pickett, Pickett where they – didn't give him a lot of preseason reps, first of all. They played him in the preseason like he was going to be a starter, and then you sit him down before week one and tell him Mr. Trubisky is going to start. So he doesn't have as many live reps as other guys. Like Malik Willis, when you see him in the preseason, he he played all he played at least three quarters every preseason game. And that, I think he's going to be the best rookie QB out of this class. I don't think he's going to be great, but I think he's going to be a very he's going to be a decent quarterback. He's going to be a Titans quarterback. But I mean, it sucks. Also, it sucks to see him out of the lineup. I think. Yeah, they won. The Titans won. I know we haven't gotten to that game, but I still think Malik Willis should be starting over there. But I don't know. I don't know about Kenny Pickett. I th- he was very good in college, but he played for Pitt. They didn't have great competition. Yeah, they got a bowl game, and and the first the Pickett first was really f- only ever known for that half slide. I was gonna say. I mean, I knew a little bit of him before. He's a decent quarterback. He was in the Heisman race. He was top ten, but he played for Pitt, and I think the first red flag for me was him sitting out of that bowl game with no injuries. He didn't have a chance of re-aggravating an injury. He never had an injury history, and he sat out of a bowl game, which Pitt lost by one score. Where if he's in, they probably... Where he's in, they almost definitely won that game. So, I I mean, I was excited to watch that game, too. I'm like, oh, my, we got a nationally televised game with a top-ten Heisman guy that's going to be a good quarterback, and then I see Kenny Pickett sitting out. It makes sense. I understand you're preserving yourself, but you don't have an injury history. There's nothing you can re-aggravate. Help your college team win, man. That's coaches don't want to see you sitting out unless you're slight, unless you're hurt, or you have a previous injury that you want to keep healthy before the combine. I still don't understand why he was a first round pick. It's just a weak class. I, th- I mean, a lot of reaches. Let's not talk about reaching in the draft, but no one surprised me in this draft. Really, I mean, it was a very, it was a very defensive draft. I mean, you want to talk about. You want to talk about really good picks, Kyle Hamilton. No one's talking about him because he's doing so good. It's one of those things. He's a defensive player where he does really good, and you don't really talk about it unless he's getting pick sixes. But He was also one of those players that a lot of people expected him to be good, but the, him falling in the draft to pick 14 where the Ravens came up and snagged him, that's, a, that's one of those steals because Kyle Hamilton should have been a top 10 pick. So continuing on, we had the New York Giants advancing to three and one on the season as they beat the Chicago Bears by a score of twenty to twelve. That's the Bears. That's all I'm gonna say. The Bears. <laughs> yeah, that's 
Chicago is a very interesting place to be right now. Justin Fields sucks this year. No, he doesn't. He does. He's but he's, he's played inconsistent. He's played terrible. He's, he's, he's making he's consistent. He's consistently bad. I like Justin Fields. I like him, and I want him to be good, but he's just yeah, not he's good. He's he's just good. He has the least passing yards. He has thirty he least passing yards in the league for a starting quarterback. He has four hundred seventy one yards in four games, Jack. I think this was his first time breaking a hundred yards this season. Four hundred seventy yards, seventy one yards in four games. Two touchdowns in four games. Four picks in four games, and he has the worst QB rating in the league. He was a top ten overall pick, Jack. Jack's over there about to cry. <laughs> he's putting, he's putting up he's putting up worse stats than Jamarcus Russell. I want him to be good. I want him to be good, but man, it's hard to like a guy that just can't throw the football. Yeah. And it's not like he has terrible receivers. He doesn't have a flashy receiving core the, by any means, but you have guys that can make plays. Darnell Mooney. Equinemia St. Brown, Cole Komet. Like, they can make plays. They're not that bad. And I I think we can put some of the blame on their OC. Because they're just not throwing the ball. But at the same time, can you trust your coach how he's running the team in general? Can you trust your quarterback to throw 40 times a game if if he throws an interception every 10 pass attempts? (laughs) Can you? We need more. And yes, you can blame it on the O line. Yes, you can blame it on the not being receivers. But I'm off the Justin Fields train. I think the. I mean, I'll give it one more loss. I'd say. I'd say. I. I don't say sit him. They can't sit him. Who do they have? I, I just know. say I the, the Bears need to give up. Is. The Bears need to give up. Sell the team. New GM. Start a rebuild. Because I mean, whatever this is, if they're calling it a rebuild, isn't working. <laughs> They've been I want rebuilding the Bears to be for. Good uh, again, man. It was so. F- the league was so fun when the Bears were a playoff team. Yeah. And it just... <laughs> and that was now, with uh, current Steelers quarterback Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Exactly. Funny and it was, it was so fun. <laughs> and it's a team the monsters with, of the Midway. It's a team with so much history. It's like... It reminds me of, like, the Reds in baseball. It's a team with so much history that looks promising every three or four it's years. It's funny because their logos are the same thing. It's just a different color. <laughs> But it's it's just a team that looks so promising every couple of years. They have really good young talent, and then it just falls apart because they let them walk or trade them. Like the Reds could have made a run this year, but it's like the Athletics too. It's yeah, the same category. The Red like the Reds could have made a run this year, but they let Nick Cassianos walk. They get rid of their entire core. Trade Jesse and then Winker. They, trade Jesse Winker, and then they have to implode their team at the deadline again. And this is like what the Bears are doing. They let all their good players walk in the off season. They don't draft amazing. And they take Roquan Smith's not going to be the next guy out. Exactly. Like, you're wasting a – they've wasted generational talents year in and year out at almost every position. I don't think they're – And they're wasting David Montgomery right now, which is – they're wasting David Montgomery and Roquan Smith, who are two of the best players and best players at their position in the league that get absolutely no recognition because they play on the Bears. Well, the QB 2 and 3 doesn't get any better. <laughs> of Nathan Peterman and Trevor Sim- Simeon. Well, Nate Peterman that, play. What are you talking about? Peterman's the best quarterback. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just it just upsets me to see how fast the Bears explode and then just fall off. It's yeah. happened three times in the last eight years I've been watching football, like two or three times where, hey, they look pretty good right now, and then they just implode. And then as soon as they implode, they trade everyone and they let everyone walk. It's like you, as an organization, it's just not going to work. I have the I have a Mitchell Trubisky Bears jersey. 
That's sick. That's that is fire, sick. Bro. I love that. Because so he was he was good. He was good when he was there, and he's still he was good. He's decent. Bro, I was not expecting you to say that. Oh, I do. I'll bring it to school. All right, do it. Man, it, the Bears just upset me, man. Because they could be so they be so much had better. So many chances to be so good. Imagine they actually invested in their young talent. Yeah. Who would they have today? They'd have Khalil Mack. They'd have Roquan Smith, who's going to leave. They'd have Khalil Mack and Roquan Smith on that defense. They wouldn't have lost... Um, Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson. Is Eddie Jackson still playing there? Or is he yeah, been, he's still is, there. Uh, they, they had Adrian they, Amos a couple years Adrian ago. Am- yeah, Roquan Adrian Amos. Well, that's what I was thinking of, not Eddie Jackson. But Adrian Amos at corner, or at safety. Uh, Jalen Johnson. Jalen Johnson, back. and then the other corner, uh, Fuller. If they paid him, Kyle 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 Fuller, if they paid him, that defense would be a top five defense in the league if they actually invested in their players. Yeah, they were just a kicker away. Seriously, they're a kicker away from the the (laughs) NFC Championship. (laughs) If you think about it that way, yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't even really the kickers. I mean, yeah, unlucky, but. I didn't even think of that. They were one bad luck play away from fighting for a Super Bowl. The curse of the double doink. Dude. I mean, Chicago, just as a sports town, is not looking great. In general, right now. Yeah, and we'll touch upon the uh, two baseball teams in the area before the end of the show. But uh, this just in, as we all expected, Tua Tagovailoa has been ruled out for the Week Five matchup against the New York Jets. Did you say how long? No, that was just just, yeah. Which he uh, needs to take some time and speaking speaking of double doinker about the Bills and Ravens game. Oh man. Ended in a field goal. Can we driving. talk about the Ravens getting shut out for three quarters? That was crazy. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's Mark Andrews' worst game of his last three years, too. They're the first team to stop Mark Andrews in the last three seasons. Think about that. Yeah. With Tremaine Edmonds and Micah Hyde kind of bracketing him. And that's crazy that to think we lose Gronk, he retires. And then we get, I mean, we're blessed with this Mark Andrews who's he reminds me exactly. He, he just reminds me of Gronk, and Gronk. it's so nice to see. Yeah, I'm not a Ravens fan, I'm a Patriots fan, but it just reminds me of it. It's so nice to see someone in that league, a tight end that teams have to double team. It's so nice to see. I mean, we have Travis Kelsey, but Travis Kelsey's. I mean, he plays more slot than tight end, so it doesn't, I don't really count him. But Mark Andrews, a guy that blocks, a guy that comes out with a hand in his dirt, comes out with a hand in the dirt, and goes up on a seam route, jumps over a linebacker and a safety, and comes out with a touchdown. Like it's just nice to see guys like that. Those guys are fun to watch. Speaking of tight ends, that remind you of Gronk. George Kittle is has been activated off of the IR. Oh, so say, what happened to him? He's, he's been injured, but he's been activated off of the IR, and hopefully, he can rejuvenate that. I mean, he can take he'll take some pressure off of Debo first of all. Hopefully, that Niners offense is rejuvenated because I think they're an exciting team to watch. I I mean, I like seeing them in the playoffs too. Especially, so especially with Jimmy. Especially with Jimmy back this year, I think the. It'll be, it'll be a familiar face like the Super Bowl two years ago. So continuing on with the NFL slate, the Titans beat the Colts by a score of 24-17. to 17. Meh. <laughs> the Chargers beat the Texans 34-24. to 24. The Falcons beat the Browns 23-20. to 20. The Cowboys beat the Commanders 25-10. to 10. The Eagles beat the Jaguars 29-21. to 21. As Spencer just mentioned, the Bills beat the Ravens 23 to 20. The Cardinals beat the Panthers 26 to 16. K1 speed. 
the Raiders win their first game of the year against the Denver Broncos by a score of 32 to 23. And to round off the four o'clock window, and I've been waiting to talk about this game, the Green Bay Packers beat the New England Patriots by a score of 27 to 24. Bailey Zap train. Choo choo. <laughs> Bailey Zap. I'm with it. Let Mac Jones sit. Let him get healthy. Let him get 100%. I'm okay with Bailey Zap. He played well. Uh, he's going to have a couple of bad games if he starts two more weeks. But with it. As Spencer just mentioned, Bailey Zap, 10 for 15, 99 yards, and a touchdown in his debut. He did not start the game, though, as Brian Hoyer started the game but left with a concussion. I think it's funny to look at this. He took three sacks for 24 yards, and that brings down his QB rating to 16, which... That's six, basically a 16%. Not good. That's an F. Who's but you look Brian at his, his passer rating, it's 107.4. So it's nice to see that he's making good decisions in the pass. What that tells me is I only got to see part of that game. But what that tells me is he just needs to be a little bit more aware. And, I mean, the whole line just needs to be better. I mean, once again, we don't want to talk about Patriots old line. We've traded away our best guys, and we've drafted some not so best guys. But well, I mean, Cole Strange actually well. has been the best O lineman for the Patriots. Third this talent. That's it. <laughs> maybe maybe late second yeah, round at this point. Name <laughs> yeah. someone else. I don't even start talking crap about Cole Strange. Bro. He's, he's been, been playing he's, well. He's been our best O lineman. I'm proud. I don't, I'm, I don't I'm care. Happy for I don't him, care where he was drafted. He plays well for us. That's all, that's all that matters. Finally, have a good draft pick, but. Speaking of draft picks, Jack Jones had an interception, which was a pick six, his first career interception, Jack and Jones, a fumble recovery. Jack Jones is my favorite surprise of this team this year. I, first of all, the first couple of games, I thought it was Jonathan Jones. And I'm looking <laughs> at it, I'm like, wait a minute, Jonathan Jones is, 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 is 31, and he's 6'2". I'm looking <laughs> at this, this is a shorter guy. I'm like, Jones was like, did you change his number? I'm like, no, it's Jack Jones. I'm like, oh, that's the return specialist we drafted. Yeah. From Arizona State, it's like I mean, hey, at least an ASU guy's doing good for us. Yeah, <laughs> and then but no, it's really it's really nice to see a guy like that. We have a corner that looks like he could be, I mean, another cornerstone on that defense, and I hope he keeps it up because he's been playing really well. He's got a pretty good name too. <laughs> yeah, it's a that's a New England name, Jack Jones. Half of the Bison boys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also in the New England game, I just wanted to touch upon how currently there is that a rift if you want to say between uh offensive coordinator which he should not be an offensive coordinator matt patricia and the players as wide receiver kendrick Bourne, who had a great who was coming off of a great first season with the new england patriots has not been getting as many reps due to an off the field dispute if you will are we surprised with matt patricia i mean we saw what it was yeah he was late to a game it was a preseason game he was gonna get a drive Sit him a game. Sit him the first game. I'm okay with that. It was also because of the fight during the Carolina Panthers joint practice, which I which I was at. Which, which half ha- the team was involved. Which in. it happens exactly. It like that. Yeah, it got blown up because it ended up in the stands. I get it. And a couple people got a couple fans got involved. All that kind of that stuff. That was that's, day two with Dietrich that's, Wise. Yeah, that's why it gets blown up. And then the other game. I mean, the other one. It's the Patriots. Everything that happens in the Patriots is going to get blown up, especially in New England. But like. You see, like, it happens. It's football. It's a joint practice. If you don't want there to be fights, don't have joint practices. When you're seeing the same guys every single day and they're not on the same team as you, there's going to be fights. And some of them escalate. You saw Josh Allen started a fight (laughs) against a D lineman. Ed Oliver. Like, 
and that's his own team. And you don't see either of those guys suspended for anything. And now all of a sudden, I there's has to be more behind the scenes of that. It has to be Kendrick Bourne's questioning the play calling. It has to be him, him and other guys questioning stuff. It just there's has to be more. As you just mentioned with that, Kendrick Bourne is a very vocal guy, so I would not be surprised. I don't. I don't want. I, I'm sorry, Devontae Parker, but Kendrick Bourne's the best receiver we have in that room right now. It's especially it, with Jacoby Myers. If you uh, watched him, in the, uh, I mean, he was play. the only bright spot on that in that in that wild card game last year. He was one of the very few bright spots on our team besides Mac Jones last year. And he's a guy you can throw it up and he'll go get it. I mean, like you were saying, you're in attendance for the joint practice. I was in attendance for the wild card game. I went all the way to Buffalo, watched him get blown out. That was cool. I went home. <laughs> One thing I remember from that game, Kendrick Bourne's back corner out of the end zone, coming down with a ball that I think maybe 20 receivers in the NFL will come down with. You got it. He goes up, gets it back corner, over a corner. We haven't had a guy that can do that since Randy Moss. And we're sitting him. For or what? Kimbrell Tompkins, if you want to go. With, I mean, uh, guys that. I'll talk about yeah. name. Kimbrell what a Tompkins. Name. I forget. Oh, my God. <laughs> what a deep dive. You're taking me back. Yeah. <laughs> 2013. Oh, my God. That's crazy. Tompkins Dude, back he was in the a, end zone. Touchdown. Oh, my Patriots. God. That was a, he was a Madden God, too. God. He was so good in Madden. Wow. <laughs> that was, wow. But still, like, good you look at Kendrick, awesome. Kendrick Bourne is probably my second favorite player on the team besides Jelani Tavai, and that's just because I went to a joint practice on Jelani Tavai all over the field on special teams drills. And he's starting now, which is I think he deserves. But Kendrick Bourne's one of my favorite players on the team. He's a patriot that's vocal and exciting, and it's just nice to see. And we're sitting him. I don't get it. Yeah. It's just a good, if, if we play him, we win. The, first of all, if he gets more than three targets, we win this game. Yeah, and he caught, what, two of the three? Two, yeah, two of the three. He's, I mean, he's 15.3 yards per catch, and he only has nine receptions. Let's play him. I don't care how butthurt Matt Patricia is. The guy who had the most receptions that game for the Patriots was Ramondre Stevenson, our running back. <laughs> our backup running back, rather. I can't, you can't, you can't come at that, though. It's Bailey Zapp's first NFL game. It was a lot of checkdowns. Bailey Zapp averaged 6.6 yards per carry. All of those, I mean... Four of those cat, four of those completions were to Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, it's just at a least... safety blanket. I mean, that's kind of how we run our offense here too. It's a lot of a lot of offenses run. You get a young quarterback, give him two options. Those two options aren't there. Throw it to the check down, which I'm okay with that. That's my head. Yeah, hey, you play also. offense, Spencer. <laughs> yeah, no, I just watch it. We don't want to talk about it. Spencer snaps. Uh, moving on with the NFL slate, wrapping up <laughs> Sunday was uh, Chiefs beating the Buccaneers. Mac, uh, not Mac Jones, Pat Mahomes beating Tom Brady. I, I wish I hate Pat Mahomes, but I wish man. forty-one to thirty-one. And tonight at eight fifteen, we have a rematch of the NFC Championship from last year: the LA Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers, 49ers in San Francisco. I don't know. I think it's going to be a really good game. I can't wait to see it. It's Jimmy G season now. Yeah, baby. George Kittle's back. Yep. That's what I'm saying. They got all their weapons back. I just got to. I think think Debo's having a a crazy game. I think I was the biggest Jimmy G fan there was when he got drafted. I swear, I got like. No, no. You weren't bigger than the Spike King. (laughs) Okay, well. (laughs) Even when when he was a backup. Oh, yeah. I was. I loved Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, I was so invested into him. I used to collect sports cards. I had like thirty <laughs> plus sports cards. Jimmy Garoppolo. At least he didn't do that for Stidham. I was I was so so Stidham. invested in Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I was so happy when he played when Brady got hurt or Brady got uh, suspended rather. And then Jacoby, and then he gets benched for Jacoby Brissett. He got hurt actually. Oh wait, no, that's right. I forget. He got hurt, You're right. Spencer. My bad, my bad. To be fair, he has more Super Bowl appearances than a lot of quarterbacks ever will have. So. <laughs> and as Spencer brings up Jared Stidham, I will proudly say that I am the owner of a Jared Stidham jersey. As oh, I know Jack man. Clifford looked at me when. Uh, Spencer. No, I like it. Spencer, that, I like it, but, but come on, man. <laughs> so that that was just New England fans having Brady withdrawals. First of all, yeah, we knew he was gone. We drafted Jared Stidham. I'm like, yeah, it's a rookie quarterback. Yeah, he's gonna be the next. Oh, he was a fourth rounder. Yeah, he actually wasn't really that good. We <laughs> drafted Stidham before Brady left. It wasn't bad. That's what I'm saying. We, but we knew he was I think gone. Stidham actually has a ring with us. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but does. no, I'm saying no. No, we, he doesn't. No, no, he's the year after. You're right. Oh, yeah. yeah. But no, we knew Brady was leaving. Everyone knew Brady was leaving. Yeah. He was either retiring or leaving, and he came back to the box. So, <laughs> but I'm just saying we we oh yeah we we got our successor. It was a fourth round pick. It was it was just a let's see what happens. Maybe he'll be maybe he'll be the next Russell Wilson, and he wasn't. So. <laughs> So switching gears to Major League Baseball as we prepare for the uh, MLB playoffs, the AL, uh, the American League is set with the Houston Astros with the number one seed, the New York Yankees with the number two seed. Do we know who we're playing? Who that wild card is on our side? Uh, not yet because of the Mariners in the Rays. All right. Um. The Cleveland Guardians with the third seed. As of right now, the Toronto Blue Jays with the first wild card spot, while the Mariners and Rays wrap up the AL wild card. I mean, right now it's looking like we're going to have the, the Rays. I mean, as a Yankees fan, right now it's looking like we're going to have the Rays and the ALDS, which I think that'll be a good series. It's nice to see that. I mean, Seattle, if, <laughs> if the wild card stays the way it is, Seattle Toronto is going to be a instant classic. I think that'll do that. I'm the biggest Mariners fan right now. Oh my god, I'm a Yankees fan. I want the Mariners go all the way. (laughs) I just don't want the Yankees to out of uh, bias towards the Red Sox. uh, For the National League, the Dodgers clear cut for the number one seed at 110 wins. Talk about how I mean. Sorry to cut you off, but. The Dod- this Dodgers team is an argument for one of the best baseball teams of all time. Probably. They're, I think... They will not get the wins record. They won't get the wins record, but they, if they win out, they have a top three. They have their third all time. They'll have a four, 114 yeah. wins if they win out this week. Mm-hmm. And Which I if they, they're playing. I don't know, but if they bring home, if they win the World Series, first of all, it's a legit World Series. We don't count 2020. <laughs> it's a legit World Series, and... I think that I just think that team gets thrown in for one of the best teams of all time. It has to be because they. You look at it, you look at every game they play. You go, Dodgers are gonna win this game. Every yeah. single game they play. Like think about the last time you said that. Like yeah, you could say that about the Yankees first half of this year, but that was half. You said that about every single game that the Dodgers played. And then you get Julio Urias, or Urias. I'm sorry if I'm saying it incorrectly. He's what twenty two. No, he's like 24, 24. 24? Oh, he, debu- he debuted. He was the when guy he was... that closed out the World Series in 2020 yeah. for the Dodgers. He debuted when he was 19. That was the thing. You get a pitch that debuted when he's 19. That usually doesn't work. And he's rivaling Sandy Alcantara for for the, the Cy Young. Sandy's going to get it because of those six complete games. Yeah. But 
He's in oh a get because God. Sandy was consistent the whole year. Arias started true. pretty well, but... we got to think, like, out of the second half, no one's had a better second half than Arias. No, 100%. It's crazy. Um, rounding off the NL, it's the Dodgers at one. The Braves still battling it with the Mets as the East is not locked up, but both teams have a spot in the playoffs and then the I'm a Braves fan on that side this year. Braves and cards is what I want to see in that NLDS. The Cardinals have the third seed while currently the Mets have the first wild card spot. The Padres clinched a wild card spot the other day as they will be going to the postseason. And there's still a battle between the Phillies and the Milwaukee Brewers for the last wild card spot in the NL. But I just wanted to touch upon how currently this year we have three teams over 100 wins and possibly could have four or five teams depending on what happens with the Yankees and the Mets come the stretch. Those three teams with 100 wins are the Dodgers with 110, the Astros with 104, and the Braves with 100. I mean, I think the Mets get it. Uh, as a Yankees fan, I don't know if the Yankees are going to get it. We're going to be resting a lot of guys. We have a lot of banged-up guys. We're going to be probably playing a minor league roster. I mean, we've clinched. We're going to be probably playing a half minor league roster with Aaron Judge batting leadoff, trying to hit that 60-second home run. Hope to God he does. But we're playing the Rangers as our last season of the year. If we drop all three of those games, or all four of those games, no one cares. We could lo- we could go on. I mean, yeah, we're I going care. into the... I mean, <laughs> Personally, yeah, but if we're playing a minor league roster, if we're playing if we're playing Oswald Peraza and Ronald Guzman and all those guys, if we drop, I know I heard it, if we drop four games to the Rangers with a minor league roster, I don't really care. If as long as we're getting our guys healthy, and I also suck to see shout out Ron Marinaccio. He left the game last night with an apparent injury. Hopefully, he'll be back. Hopefully, it's just a ten day, but we'll see. Rounding off with uh, MLB news. Albert Pujols is at 702 career home runs. Ties Babe Ruth for second, I believe. Second or third all-time RBIs. Uh, I, I think, think it was, was second. second. I believe it was second. But does it at home, his final home game, his final regular season home game, and I know you guys have all seen it. Wainwright, Molina, and Pujols, Pujols all start that game. Wainwright gets pulled, and they all go with him as they're all retiring the season, ending that beautiful, I mean the 20 what two year stretch that Molina and Wainwright have had most something like that most ever games started together I mean they're the the two of the greatest of time the greatest of all time the best probably the best battery of all time Mm -hmm. in terms of longevity and just productivity it's gonna be sad to see those guys go and the Cardinals are gonna be a good team for years to come even without those guys which it's good to see they're gonna carry on what they built I mean the Cardinals were not a good team in the between Ozzie Smith and like Molina and Wainwright and those guys, the Cardinals were not a good team. And I mean, Pujols, Wainwright, Molina is what turned that team into the perennial the core of that team. The they turn, I mean, from now they've turned that team into the perennial ALCS lock or NLCS lock almost every season that they are. Mm-hmm. They have an Ozzie Smith jersey. Um, I wanted <laughs> that's to, awesome too. That's actually Why? sick. I bought it at the Baseball Hall of Fame too. Oh, Who's that's it? sick. Who is it? Ozzie, Ozzie Smith. Smith. Old time Cardinal. I think that's also my favorite uh my my favorite like team Hall of Fame like picture that they have is the left field wall of Ozzie Smith doing the backflip back on the left field <laughs> yeah, wall. I think that's my insane. I think that's probably my favorite tribute Sick. to a team Hall of Fame player at any stadium. 
uh, you were just talking about the Cardinals. Albert Pujols, a fun fact about Pujols, his first at-bat at Bush Stadium was a home run, and his final at-bat at Bush Stadium. In the regular season. In, yeah, in the regular season was a home run. Actually, wait, no, are they? Oh, no, yeah, they do have home field for the wild card. All right. Yes. Um, also, a cool thing that is going on for the team with the second worst attendance in baseball the miami marlins is holding a promotion for their upcoming series against the atlanta braves calling we gotta love baseball man <laughs> also i mean the, the mets have been butthurt ever since you see uh the, the braves fans walking the streets playing timmy trumpet after the sweep i i that that stuff just makes you love baseball what? man mm-hmm. you didn't see that Oh, I did. After the, I mean, after the sweep, it, there's just they got me people playing trumpets in the streets, street performers playing trumpets, and then they're all flashing their lights and stuff. And it's like, this is gonna be great. <laughs> I, it's probably not gonna happen, but if those two teams meet in the ALCS, oh, that's, that's one for the ages. Yeah, that's gonna be or NLCS. Yeah. I keep saying ALCS, but NLCS, that's one for the ages. Especially with uh, the Mets having one of the best. Sorry, a closer that's having one of the best seasons of all time. And just the intensity with, as you mentioned, uh, Timmy Trumpet's narco playing and I mean, just yeah. the intensity of a rivalry in the NL East. Edwin, Edwin Diaz is having one of the best reliever seasons we've seen since Zach Britton set the ERA record and since Mariano Rivera's last season. Mm-hmm. Like those two, se- those are the last two reliever seasons that I can remember someone being this dominant. So yeah, it's Edwin Diaz really even getting 59 saves on his own. News at the Mariners. I mean, st- I I still think this one's better. Just the way the the way he's the way it's been, the atmosphere around it and the way he's gone about it is just, it's insane to see it. I know maybe he's had years where he's had like he had more saves, but he's been shut down this year. No one can touch him. So it's it's going to be great to see what the Padres have. First of all, what the Padres have to say about that and upcoming wild card. But I think it's time to wrap it up. Bring the brooms over uh, that one. Before <laughs> before we end off our episode here, I want to go around and say our predictions for tonight game in one word answer of a either a 49 or a Rams Spencer. Put me on the spot. Uh, <laughs> one word. Niners. Awesome. Rams. 49ers. That's two words, Jack. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you counting the hyphen? <laughs> well, I I will keep this a three-one slate, and I'll go with the Niners. I know I'm supposed to say one word answer, but I'm the host of the show. I can do whatever I want. All right, we'll <laughs> see. Come come next, we'll on. see. Come next Monday if yep, I we'll uh, if I can pull it away. Let's go, go Rams. On. Rams house. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for listening in. We'll stay tuned next week. We'll figure out our predictions. See you guys soon. Have a good one.